Nerds International proudly presents Welcome to the 3T RPG podcast. My name's Harrison Hunt, and with me is Sean Hunt. What's going on? Nick couldn't make it today. He's busy with work and shit. No, I think he's at his dad's birthday. Uh, Selfish. Yeah, I'm at his mum's birthday. Nice, nice. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this is an RPG podcast all about tabletop RPGs, and today we've got some good shit for you. we got what you've been slaying, where we talk about what we've been playing, the main subject, which is going to be the Wendy's RPG, Feast of Legends. And then we got Dragon or Blaggin. We got a freestyle RPG rap item. Sean's idea. It's, it was my idea. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's, that it. is going to be horrible. I mean, if that doesn't. If, if you get to that point and it's not in the podcast, you know it was really bad. Oh, I've still got fire, you know what I'm saying? I've got some fire. But not that much, so it's going to be fucking horrible. Just just bear that in mind, listeners. Um, and then we got Electro Letters, where we read out your letters and correspondence, followed by our award-winning outro. You having that one? Award-winning outro? No, I mean the show. You how excited about the show? I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've, 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 I was like on the way down, I was pretty excited, and now I'm here. In the studio. <laughs> in the studio, it's all, it's all happening, you know? Oh, it's amazing, right? <laughs> yeah, man. You should feel very privileged to be in here. I, I don't actually. Oh. Well, anyway, <laughs> we're gonna get here. we're gonna get on with what you've been slaying and talk about what we've been playing. Yeah. What you slaying? Now, bear in mind, dear listener, that uh, I know this section often runs a bit long, but uh, this time a lot has happened since the last podcast, so it's going to be a little bit long, but we'll try to keep it concise for you. Because we just well, there's we've been playing a lot. I've been at Con on the Cob in America, uh, playing loads of games there. So we'll, we'll try to keep it concise, but hopefully, you know, you can get some ideas for your campaign, learn about a few new games, things like this. So and also, you got some sick new shit, didn't you? I got some sick new shit. So I'm going to talk about that. Yeah. So first up, uh, I, obviously, I've been at Con on the Cob, and uh, I'm, I can't. I'm not going to list all the games I played, but I want to go over a few highlights here. So. I played in a couple of games gemmed by Eric Lamoureux, the famous writer of Wise Guys, the uh, organised crime guide for Savage Worlds. And obviously we played that. We played a, a Wise Guys game where essentially we're a security team of gangsters that are tasked with... We want to impress this new Colombian guy that's coming to town and we want to show him that we can do the best security on the planet. And uh, that night we happen to be the security for Rick Astley, and he gets kidnapped, <laughs> and we have to uh, and we have to go and like retrieve him from where he's been kidnapped to show the Colombians that we that we can do a good job, and and we're sort of sort of like damage control type thing. That sounds like the perfect wise guys game. It also sounds like the perfect con game as well. It what? was because it was really fun because one of the things was at the very first scene we've kind of. Um, we kind of beaten up this guy and interrogated him, and, and the, uh, part of this we kind of can use this to get the Colombians on side. And Eric had this prop; it was like a severed finger, and you could use it as like an extra Benny, like a reroll token. But you could add a D6 to a roll with it as long as you used it in game. So, for example, you could go out to the Colombian guy and be like, "Look, 
no, no secrets of ours are ever going to get out. Your stuff is in perfectly good condition. Look at what happened to the last guy that did it. Then you get the, the thumb out and oh, you use that's it. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Yeah, it was really cool. And uh, yeah, that was essentially that game. It was pretty cool. One of the last scenes that happened, we got we all got captured like this sleeping gas. Um, somebody chucked a sleeping gas into a room. We all got captured, and it was New Year's Day. So we were trying to get out, and and uh, we were attached to this pole, and we knew a bomb was about to go off. And uh, we could hear the countdown to New Year's happening as we were trying to escape. So it was like this really tense oh, situation man. where Eric was like, 10, 9. And I was like, right, I'm trying to break free from the chains. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, it was really fucking cool, man. And like, it, no- it was a great game. I noticed as well that he had like a full scale well not full scale like a mini casino that he'd built as well well this was kind of the genius thing right is that it was called the El Dorado and it was like this sort of like Mexican Incan themed type casino right and it was it was like a temple um, sort of miniature thing that he'd made it took him six months to make and then all of the you know he put little slot machines roulette tables things like this all around the map and uh, what what happened is is that his next game that he ran he ran Beasts and Barbarians and he repurposed it, so he took out all the slot machines, things like this, then made the temple into a proper temple instead. So it's like that's a really good dual thinking. purpose. Yeah. And the Beast and Barbarians game was epic because this was like, um, it's like Conan the Barbarian kind of thing. So you get free reign to kind of be a, a nutter and a barbarian. Do you know what I mean? And like you chop people up, you 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 uh, revenge things. You know, it's that type of thing. Yeah, you chop shit and then you think. Exactly, that's exactly what it was. And it was a lot of shoot now, never ask any questions, like that type of thing. <laughs> yeah. so, so the plot of this game was essentially that we'd found this box that had a weird name and it was like this living treasure chest. Did you see the pictures online where had, Eric made this prop and it was like all eyes all over it? And first off, we had to figure out how to open it. So what would you do in that situation? Poke the eyes? Well, you're exactly right, because that's, that's what ended up happening. We had to gouge out all the eyes, because it said some really cryptic thing about not being able to see. But all of us were trying loads of things, like kicking it across the room, like like shouting at it, like, <laughs> like all of these things, none of which worked. When we finally opened it, a treasure map appeared on this guy's back, uh, one of the players. Well, no, one of the characters, not the player. But um, his treasure map appeared on his back, and it was like like pulsing through his veins. And then we knew there was some like epic treasure somewhere. We were kind of like piratey types, and yeah, we sailed there. There was this like curse going on, and we had to run into this temple, which was the scenery from before. Yeah, and then we had to get uh, get the treasure. It was a nice, simple adventure. It was just running in, killing shit, going mental, you know, shouting at the table, that type of thing. Yeah, there's not enough of that these days. I know. Well, the thing yeah. is, is that you know, at a con game, people are going to want to be murder hobos, and it's the perfect fucking con game. You can just yeah, it is. it's really Definitely. like um, fun just to like. Like have a game where you can just let loose and go mental, you know. Yeah, definitely. The only thing is, I have the heroic edge, right, in Savage Worlds, and uh, no hindrance, right. So I'm always heroic, but all the other team were bastards. So I kept on trying to think of reasons to do nice stuff. And there's this woman that's being attacked by these gargoyles, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna um, save her from that. But then, because we're a bunch of bad guys, I'm gonna make her my slave. So I've like sa- saved her life, but she becomes my slave. Oh, okay, that's good thinking. Yeah, I thought it was okay, but I, I struggled. It's like, yeah, it's really it, w- it would be really hard if you were, were with a load of bastards because I've had the heroic edge before, but I've just wanted to save my mates. So. Yeah, you're a good guy, you know. And I mean, that could even be the loyal edge as well. Uh, hindrance, sorry. Yeah. But the thing about it is, is that yeah, I I struggled a bit with that character, but I I had fun nonetheless. It was it was awesome. Um, lastly, I played more Genesis as well, and I've come to the conclusion with that game that I 
I think I would uh, never want to run it, but to play it, it's always a good laugh. No, because you have to have like years of experience to be a good be a good GM at that game, I think, and uh, to for it to flow really nicely, and you have to have a really good eye for like the dice. For reading those like chicken bone dice, that's that's the problem. Mm. So the, the thing is, listener, Genesis is a narrative system, right? It's not like a typical RPG. So what you do is you roll a bunch of dice, depending on what the roll is. You you roll different dice. And then you have to interpret them, and the story goes a certain way depending on what they're like. I mean, the closest thing would be like those story cubes you can find everywhere, right? And you just roll a bunch of those, see what happens. You can get like setback dice, things like this, or like bonus dice, depending on if you spend these things called, I forget what they're called, but in the Star Wars version, it's like light and dark side points, right? And every time you spend one, the GM gets one, and they can influence the story or change a role or something like this. And it's really fun. The thing is, what Chris, who ran the game, what he always says is, well, I find it easy to read the dice. It's like, yeah, because that's you mainly play that, mate. Like, that's why, yeah, right? Yeah, because this is only game. He's practiced. He's, yeah, that's he's an expert. He's yeah. given up everything else, right? I even said to him at the beginning of the con, and I'm fairly certain he won't listen to us, but, but if he does, you know, that's fine. Right, but I said, to, I, said to him, <laughs> I said to him at the beginning, I was like, so you guys playing anything other than Genesis this year? Like, I was taking the piss, it was a joke, but he took it quite seriously. And he's like, yeah, I'm playing fucking Starfinder, man. <laughs> and it was like, well, but other than that, all he did was play Genesis. So of course he's good at reading the fucking dice. Anyway, my point is we played we played Android. It was like a, a, a fucking cyberpunk setting, right? Futuristic sci-fi type shit. And it was, it was a re- kind of good setting, and it was kind of a good game. We just had to go to a place, get a stuff, uh, get some stuff fight our way there it's kind of simple but the terminology they use in the game in that specific setting is so cringe like the Russian Chinese and Italian mafia have formed together to create the tri-math and it's like it's, there was, there's way more than that but it was like really cringe it's like instead of like machine gun it would be like Mac G or something like this it was like fucking awful but I actually quite like the setting and playing it's fun, but I don't think I could ever run it because you need to be an expert at reading fucking magic dice. And also you need to learn the terminology like some sort of weird cult. Yeah, well, that's that's kind of it as well. Yeah, it is kind of a culty type game. But yeah, I, I like to play it, but I don't think I'd ever run it. I did have desire to run it before, but I just thought one of my biggest things is game flow. And Genesis, it can only really do that if you've got a stellar GM that knows, that knows it so well we can read a set of dice instantly right yeah. and uh, you know that's probably a skill i'm not willing to acquire because it would just take too long <laughs> basically would, yeah. yeah but it was all right it's all right and um i always enjoy playing that but let's talk about our our bloody um weekly campaign oh yeah we have been playing deadlands dark tower Dark Tower deadlands yeah so this is based on the universe of stephen king's novels so essentially, to describe it in the shortest way possible, every single existence ever is um, held within a single dark tower, and that's on the lowest plane of existence, which is called like mid-world, end-world, I can't remember what the whole world is called, but on that plane, also the instead of gravity, it's got these beams that are, are guarded by guardians holding it up, and it's the closest plane to the prim, which is like the primordial chaos that birthed the Earth. And as a result, it's one of the weirder ones. It's like a Western sci-fi fantasy post-apocalyptic game. And often you'll get characters making cameos from other Stephen King novels. But in our one, it's our other games. Yeah, so it is, yeah. It's yeah. like Deadlands, Dark Tower, except instead of Stephen King, it's us. 
Yeah. Which is pretty fun. And at the moment, they've basically got to travel back to the Dark Tower to uh, rectify what's wrong with their world and hopefully save not only their world, but all existences ever. And they've just gone through this. They've been in like a Western town, which is like really low tech, you know. And then they've gone to uh, this. They've traveled ages and ages and gone to this town called Ludd. And it's like a big post-apocalyptic city where the chaos from the Dark Tower crumbling is starting to spread. And like, yeah, and you've got like really seedy gangs that live in sewers there and stuff. And our mates basically have been captured. Um, and we uh, buy these guys, and we have to go and go and yeah, basically unkidnap him. Yeah, that was that. Yeah, that was basically the last session. Yeah, this guy rolls into town, kidnaps your mate, and then. There's this guy that that knows that has a map and he's like, yeah, I've got it up in my flat. I'll go and get it. He dies. It turns out the other gang had stolen it as like a bargaining chip, and you. They said we'll give you the map and we'll tell you where it is if you do something for us. So they had to go to this old school in town and retrieve a VHS cassette for this gang that are based entirely around the concept of irony, which is weird. But you have to remember things get weirder the the closer you get to the tower. Yeah, they do. Yeah, and um, so yeah, they went got the VHS tape, but it was like the whole building was full of Wendigos. Yeah, it was so deadly. We had to sneak in through the... Vent. Yeah, through the air vent, uh, grab the tape and get out. But we we uh, barely escaped with our lives. Like Just before, basically, we were slashed to death. Uh, we didn't get too much damage, but we, we got out of there pretty quickly. Well, you took a lot of damage, but then, then soaked it with bennies. So you guys were pretty low on bennies at this point. And um, yeah, once you got out, like it was actually pretty well done. But they, you you struggled so hard with a fight against one, and then suddenly, as they get to the outside, five burst out the door, and we go into a chase scene. Yeah, and our mate Ryan, uh, he's a very smart guy, and but he he was like he was like, what what are we doing? We fighting him? It's like no no, and we're running. We're yeah, running. Sean was like, we just struggled against one. There's five, <laughs> and then yeah, so they they ran back to town. It was awesome though because we ran a chase, and you know, with the chases, the the rules are slightly more abstract than the than normal rules for Savage Worlds. And what was cool was that you can kind of do like big things or really cinematic things. And Ryan started the chase further back because he decided to stay back and try and sling spells at them to uh, interrupt their running. You know, and it and really works, didn't it? It was awesome. Like the chases are pretty cool. You lay out ten cards, and then they sort of denote what the terrain is, and you have to run run away. And I I ran it so that once you were out of the cards, once you got to your end, you you got away from them. Um, I'm not even sure if that's how it's supposed to work, but it, it really worked. And um, Ryan was at the back the whole time slinging spells because he's like a monk with chi powers. And he was slinging spells at them, knocking over uh, like debris and getting in their way while these guys were just legging it towards the town. Yeah, it's a pretty... Um, Deadlands and Dark Tower, they go pretty hand in hand, to be fair. Yeah, they do. I'll, uh, we have been thinking for a long time where, where we can basically do Dark Tower because this is one of our favourite books and stuff like that. Yeah, and it works really well because it's literally, there are certain different regions. It's unlike Deadlands where a lot of it is roughly in the same place. You know, uh, weird scientists um, who make these gizmos and magic people and priests and things like this, they they can be found most close to most places. But in, in, in Dark Tower, the only real difference is that technology is, is further south and the more primitive um, people are up north. And that's about it. I mean, that's the only real difference. And it's in a different world entirely, obviously. But in terms of like actually playing the game, 
you know, you're realistically, it's it's just Deadlands, you know. Yeah, it is, it, it is, yeah. But it was pretty cool because we just did one of my favourite scenes from the book. We did it at the end of the session, sadly. But there's this bit where they have to get onto a um, sentient train who's suicidal because his wife Penelope has just died. And he the train loves riddles and they have to answer a number of riddles so that he doesn't kill himself by smashing himself into the next station. It's one of my favourite bits from the book, but also I'm really terrible at riddles. So It um, went pretty badly. I'll, I'll put, you did succeed, but these guys, it was also the end of the game. You know, people have had a few drinks and then suddenly like, I, I'm like, right, solve these really complicated riddles. I was, uh, I think uh, it was uh, James, uh, our friend James that mostly came up with it and I was like, all right, yeah, yeah. He's, he's good at that type of stuff though because James he he does these you know forwarded emails at work that like have riddles in them like, oh, answer okay. this riddle or you'll <laughs> die in three days <laughs> and it's like that type of thing and uh, yeah I, it, it did go quite badly but you guys did succeed in the end yeah we did yeah um, but the funny <laughs> thing is, is that every time a riddle came up it increased with difficulty and when we got to the first one and you guys were struggling I was like oh no like because the fourth <laughs> one the difficulty was nightmare and I was like, this is this is gonna hurt. Was... Yeah, and we had like one hint that we could do, and we were like taking ages deciding. On... Do we want the hint for this one, or should we fail this one, go to the next question, and get the hint for that one because we know it's gonna be harder? And then I was like, all right, it's a game, it's all right. We got like we got all the time in the world, and you're like, right, we need, you need to hurry up. The train's hurtling. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you're up to three hundred miles an hour now. <laughs> yeah, that was funny, man. Um, but yeah, that's it for Deadline, Deadlands Dark Tower at the moment. We'll probably give you an update on that campaign next episode. But of course, as you mentioned at the top of the podcast, I've uh, been, um, you know, I've been at Con on the Cob. So I wanted to do a bit of shopping there. And it's my birthday recently as well. So I've got a lot of new shit. But hopefully you guys at home can kind of, this will teach you about some new products or things like this. Which is kind of funny because I'm going to start with the uh, monster manual for the D and D first edition. In case you didn't know that existed, um, there's a first edition in it. I, well, no. The point is, is that <laughs> um, Terry, one of our listeners, uh, I met him at Con on the Cob, and he, I, I was complaining about uh, a lack of sort of OSR generic monster books, and the D and D ones are really handy for that, and they're so detailed too, especially the old ones. So I thought. I wanted to grab those, but I had trouble finding them for any decent price. So I've got the uh, yeah the first edition one, which I used to have, then sold. Now I've got it back because I need it again. But he he kindly gave me the first and second edition monster manuals, which is awesome. It's always a good uh, point of inspiration of the D and D monster manuals as well, because uh, I think you said to me D and D monsters are the most detailed. And they, they they always give a really good impression on how you should make them act and behave and all of this sort of thing. Well, yeah, that's it. I mean, the the descriptions, a lot of people complain nowadays, you know, that they're too long and, and things like this. But for the, for the type of games I like to run, you know, when it gives you all of their behaviours, their preferred habitats, things like this, I think that can be handy yeah, in the right game, you know. And uh, I was super chuffed that I got given that. Um, next one, I bought DCC Lankmar. Now, I've already got Lankmar for Savage Worlds, but I thought okay, everyone was raving about this and I needed to get it. But I haven't had a proper look at it at, as of yet, but for a dungeon called Classics, it's Lankmar, and there's like, it boils down the classes to three, but gives you more options for characters, and you play in this sort of uh, world of thieves. It's like a big city where the Thieves Guild run pretty much everything. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really cool, but the box set is awesome. You get like a guide to the city, a character creation guide, a bunch of adventures, a GM screen, 
uh, two maps for for the city and things like this. It's a, a great box set. It's really weird though. Why does it exist? Uh, I, I know that it's a flagship title for for Savage Worlds, but why? Did, how did this come about though? As far as I know, Fritz Lieber or Lieber, I don't know how to pronounce his name. The guy that originally wrote the Lankmar novels. I don't think that's uh, Pinnacle who makes Savage Worlds. I don't think they had an exclusive license. So now they both make it. Oh, okay. Because Pinnacle just released a new supplement for their their one, and uh, now obviously Goodman Games has got theirs, but. The flavor's kind of different, like, because um, the magic in DCC is obviously way different to the Savage Worlds one, and it's it's a low magic setting, so uh, I, I don't know, I'll see how it goes, but one of the big rules for it that's kind of a new thing is fleeting luck, and they're just bennies, so they're just like bennies, but it's based on your luck score, and the cool thing is, is once, well, I don't know if this is cool or not, but once you roll a crit fail, all of it goes away, so it's like your luck's run out. Oh, okay. That's that's really. That's so you could have idea. like seventeen bennies in front of you, and then suddenly boink, <laughs> and then, and that's it. It's all gone. Your luck's run out. That's really good, and yeah. it's also like a really good fit for DCC as well. I would say so because the the thing is about um, Fritz Lieber's novels is that they uh, are very very popular among the OSR crowd because they're proper classic, you know, old school like pulp fantasy you know they're no novellas they're short they're easily digestible they're really fun to read and that sort of goes exactly into the osr mindset i guess so i'm looking forward to playing it me too I'm yeah hype. should hype. be awesome another one was uh, i got given by my good friend eric he gave me tune for steve jackson games i know nothing about this but i just want to put this out there that in case you haven't heard of it but tune it's a cartoon role-playing game like looney tunes the role-playing game by steve jackson and his mates yeah so i've read of it um, it's it seems quite good, um, but it's one of those sort of games where I don't know if you've ever played any sort of wrestling RPGs, uh, Harrison slash listener. But um, it's sort of like it sets it out like a TV show, and it's like all right, you got. So it's more about creating a um, an interesting TV show. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, and. Yeah, it's like your characters can never die. Of course, they don't in cartoons, apart from that one well fucked up thing in Tom and Jerry. So, like, but you can fail stuff, obviously. Let's yeah, say, for yeah. example, you're playing Wiley Coyote. Yeah. You know, a failure isn't you die. It's you become you succumb to the Roadrunner's Wiley ways. Yeah, and you fail the mission and like basically lose a load of stuff. And um, they've got a. They've got an adventure in there, uh, which is like uh, basically a take from um, a Hanna Barbera show, uh, La- Laugh Olympics. Um, they, they <laughs> fucking hell, man! <laughs> it's been a long time since I heard about Laugh Olympics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like basically like that, and you do like Olympic events in 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 it, and it's like a twenty-minute episode. And yeah, it's I'm really, up for that, man. Yeah, that sounds good. good. I mean, uh, yeah, because you've read a bit more of it than I have, but. Yeah, uh, thanks Eric for that. That sounds awesome. Yeah, cheers Eric. I also got given uh, by Nick for my birthday Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay 4th Edition. Uh, all I can say so far is I've heard it's somewhat close, uh, a mix between 2nd and 1st Edition of Warhammer. I don't know how true that is, um, but the artwork is fantastic. And it's still got right. a job system in there. You know, you've got like like 100 different jobs and and things like this so it looks it looks really cool and it's a, a gorgeous book but i look forward to diving into that more well if it's anything like second edition it should be banging yeah yeah hopefully um the big one though the big one that's just come out is savage world's adventure edition i've played a lot of it at the con i've played a, a, a fair bit of it before online but never in person and the box sets just got sent out to people it took nearly a year 
nearly a year from the Kickstarter, but we got them. Took nearly a year and a good few death threats, but we got it. Yeah, and I'm sorry about the death threats, but, you know, that's just what I I really wanted it. As soon as as people started getting it in America, I was was like hyper-fucking jealous. I was just like, oh man, I want it. You know, the funny thing is, I think Canada still hasn't got theirs. No, they haven't. But I got mine. What the fuck? (laughs) I don't know. The, The box set is amazing. It's so fucking cool, and it's packed to the brim. You get... GM screen bookmarks with useful stuff on them. I want some money for that, by the way, Shane. What are you doing, Shane? Stealing my ideas. Anyway, uh, you got that. You got like power cards, status cards, an adventure deck, an oversized uh, action deck because obviously uh, initiative is done with cards in Savage Worlds. You got Benny's, a set of dice with four wild dice. It's like absolutely incredible. It's got everything you need and the plastic templates for burst and cone templates and things. Yeah, they're really good because I've got I've got some at home and they're really good, but it's like I had to print them and put them on cardboard and now you've got these really, really nice plastic ones that are proper good. Like proper Perspex thick. type. Yeah, Perspex. And then also, not only that, they've thought of everything because you've got like ammo counters as well. Oh yeah, the ammo counters, you've got status tokens, so we used to do it whenever a character was shaken in the game. This is like, if you get hit, but you don't take damage, we used to just do it so we'd lay the mini down, and it'd be like, right, you're shaken, but now you've got all these other statuses, like distracted, vulnerable, tangled, bound, things like this, so you could just put the token, and it po- it's got an arrow on it, it points towards which one has the status. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's so brilliant. handy. Um, so yeah, I, I'm pretty chuffed with it so far, and the changes they've made, where they've because before, like we were talking about this on the way here, but so you had things such as like climbing, swimming, and throwing were all separate skills, but now it's all bundled into athletics, and that's used also for grappling, for running away, things like this. It seems like they've watered it down, but they haven't. And if you really think about it, like of course, like if you're good at throwing, you're gonna at least be a bit good at swimming because you're an athletic kind of dude. Yeah, the the assumption is kind of that you're physically fit, so you can do all of these things to a certain extent. But more often than not, you know, you're gonna trap your character. You say I'm an Olympic runner, I don't really do throwing or, or things like this, you know. And all of the other skills in Savage Worlds kind of work that way, so it's cool that they've taken those ones that only have one specific use and put them into athletics, uh, thievery, uh, research, you know, things like this. And I find that a lot, it it sort of fits the Savage World system a lot better. Yeah, it does. And now I've actually run a chase, you know, I can see that they can go pretty quick and are exciting. They are, they are very exciting. I was, uh, I was shitting my pants right at the end when I, when, when the Wendigos were gnawing at my feet. It was, uh... Yeah, well, there you go. And, and you know, the thing is, is that I've often complained about the chase rules on my other podcast, The Wild Die. And, uh, well, but I'm nothing if not a hypocrite. So, let me say this, they are good. I've played them now. <laughs> I've, I've run one. I think what it was was that a lot of times when, when I was first starting out playing Savage Worlds Adventure Edition, I would often play in chases, and it was with people that that, like, that were new to it and things like this, but the thing is what I've done is I've leached off other people, played their chases, and now I know. No, that's that's a good way to learn, though, really. But, I guess so. But um, also, you did we did do... They originally had a different kind of chasing in in uh, adventure edition that before they had to, it actually came out. Yeah, they had to bulldoze that. Yeah, yeah, they did. I liked that one actually because yeah, you, you had you, well. you gained distance tokens and you were a certain distance away from other people and stuff. It was pretty cool, but yeah, they bung that. Yeah, and the the other big thing obviously is the powers now how they work. Obviously, a lot of it's changed, but the powers like you can now upswade them. Yeah. You know what I did there? <laughs> what, what do you mean? What do you mean upswade? What? You can upswade them. You know what I mean? 
No, anyway, no, the, point, no, the point is, is what you can do is you can alter powers by chucking in more power points, which is like your mana. You can... Um, or mana. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, yeah. You know okay. how Ryan was doing the other day? So you've got like... It, for example, he's got the blast, right? So you can chuck out a big explodey fireball and... What happens is, is now he can upgrade it to a large burst template, so he can get like most of the map, and you can upgrade it to three d six. And he did it every time. He's like, right, I'm going full on on this one, full on big. Yeah, because um, before it'd be like, what do you want to do? One to three bolts, and then uh, it'd be like, oh, all right, I'll do three, and then I'd always forget because like I'm thinking of a hundred different things at once, and it's like, oh, I've only done one. I wanted to do three. And yeah, or it'd be like, like, oh, you do three, and you're like, who do you want to hit? And everyone's just like, oh, that guy there. Or yeah. people forget that they can distribute them or that they can add an extra or upgrade the damage or whatever. So now it's just Bolt does 2d6 and you can upgrade it to a 3d6. Simple. Because when you're saying Upswade, that does make sense. But when you're saying Upswade, I thought you were talking about Magic and Deluxe that now that, that is now swaded it up. Well, that is, that, that is actually what... Because it's Savage Worlds SW Adventure Edition ADE. Everyone calls it suede, and it fucks me off. <laughs> yeah, me like, and everyone keeps saying, uh, "Does anyone have any guides on upswading uh, East Texas University?" And I'm like, "Can we stop saying suede, please?" <laughs> Just say adventure. Edition. Adventure edition or AE? Yeah. AE, yeah, that'll do. I mean, when fucking Street Fighter came out with arcade edition, we just called it arcade edition. Yeah, we didn't call it SFIV AE. Sfive. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's what annoys me. It's, uh, it's, it's, it doesn't it doesn't matter at all. It's nothing to do with the game, but it's just no, it's the not. fact that people keep saying suede and like all these blue suede shoes jokes and up suede. It just yeah, I must have been one of the first people to to um, to say that uh, joke about suede. But so, yeah, so. well anyway, that's it really for what we've been saying. You know, mainly Deadlands, Con on the Cob, that type of thing. But for the new gets you know I would, I would uh, 100% t- tell the listeners check out DCC Lankmar it's beautiful even though I hate myself for saying this suede is good yeah go and buy it no go buy Adventure Edition you, you I mean it's got oh, no. you it's All got right. you man alright so, uh, go and buy Adventure Edition right moving on main subject magic main subject Tokyo main subject Queen Wendy has maintained peace for generations, but now her arch-nemesis the Ice Jester plots to destroy her kingdom and throw the entire realm into a frozen age. The Queen seeks a band of adventurers with the courage to take on the Ice Jester and his horde of frozen minions. Gather your party, enter the realm of Beef's Keep, a place filled with treasure, adventure and the occasional dad joke. If you are up to the task, glory awaits. Grab a hamburger and get ready to level up. Yes, that's right, man. Wendy's have made an RPG. You know, the funny thing is about this was I, I did a panel at Con on the Cob about weird RPGs, right? And obviously, I had I was on holiday, so I hadn't used the internet for a bit. And some guy started a question. Like, I did the questions at the end, and he started a question with, in a world where Wendy's have now made an RPG, and I just went, what the fuck? <laughs> it's like, what, how is... What the fuck? I mean, the thing is, this is a, basically like a and d parody made by Wendy's, but... I think you're going to be surprised. Do you reckon? Because I, I really hate when companies try and pander to people like this. It honestly is... I don't know... 
I can't remember who wrote it. Whoops. But anyway, the point is, is that it's honestly kind of also sincere at the same time as being a parody. All right. I mean, it's weird. It's weirdly quite all right. But what you see, you make up your own mind. I'll tell you what's in the game. So in the game, you're adventurers of Beef's Keep, which is the name of the world. You, um, it's annoying that um, every time you say Beef's Keep, I think of vaginas. It's... That is a mistake. But I think that uh, using the word beef for a vagina is a very British thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure. Like beef curtains. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. But um, so the nation has been splintered due to a disagreement on how to treat the realm's people. That's what the book says. So two places nice. called the United Clown Nations and Creeping Vale, who we'll get into later, have led their people into a horrible place of darkness called the Deep Freeze. Okay, so the United Clown Nation is Mackie D's. And- yes, I mean you've identified that pretty early on, and the main bad guy is the Ice Jester. Right, a big a big part of the game is the fact that um, Wendy's they always tapped out that they're they're all about fresh ingredients, right? So the point is, is that they're they're fresh and the ice jester, as in the frozen. McDonald's who do frozen food, right? I mean, it's it's like a very thinly veiled stab at McDonald's here. Um, so amongst all the chaos, there's one shining beacon of light that still stands, and this this sort of goes into what I was just saying because the the sort of main adventuring place where Queen Wendy is is called Freshtovia. So, Freshtovia, as the book puts it, is a region full of green fields, signature, dish- signature dishes, and its red-haired queen, Queen Wendy. Have you seen the artwork for Queen Wendy? No, I haven't. It's amazing. I mean, we'll get into the presentation of the book later, but the first thing you see is Queen Wendy, and she's got this big Wendy's flag, like a sort of Wendy's uh, uniform-type armour, a giant sword in her hand with a W for the pommel. I think it's the pommel. No, the handguard. That sounds actually legit. It is awesome. It's really, really well done. So Queen Wendy is an iron-fisted ruler who, despite the mounting chaos, has managed to keep her borders strong against the darkness of the deep freeze. Okay, so what they're saying is Wendy sticks to their guns and have done so since the beginning. Well, there is something interesting about that later on, and I think I think that you'll you'll quite enjoy this because yeah, that is basically what they're saying, and they go into it in slightly more specific terms later on. So we'll get in more into the world later, but before we do, let's talk about character options, and this pretty much is the majority of the game is character options because there is a fuckload so I'll try to make this as quick as I can but when you make a character in Feast of Legends you need to roll your stats first so you know in D&D you roll 3d6 yeah in this you roll 4d4 for each stat and it's called the 4 for 4 dollars roll because they've got this because they've got this thing in Wendy's their budget menu is like it's four for four dollars so you pick four things it's four dollars yeah and yeah so it's the four for four dollars roll and so you don't have to roll these in order you simply roll it five times and apply it to the five stats that's strength intelligence charm arcana and grace in this game grace pertains to your character's ability to move with grace so it's basically like agility your movement yeah yeah exactly oh that sounds alright that's alright yeah and arcana is your magical stat so intelligence is simply a measure of your character's smarts in this game so so once you've done this and recorded your bonuses based on these stats, you need to pick your order, which is kind of like your class. And I think they called it order because, like, what's your order? You know oh, what I mean? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. This will determine what your character specialises in. So orders are split into different factions. You have the order of the chicken, the beef, and the sides. And first, we'll talk about the order of the chicken. These classes are mostly magical, but you've got a couple that, that aren't kind of thing. So first one in the order of the chicken is the order of the spicy chicken sandwich. Uh, so what's the order of the spicy chicken sandwich then? Um, Have a guess. It's like... It's a fire mage? 
ding ding you win so yeah these guys study the art of the spicy fried chicken and as such they come from hot climates and the connection to heat flows through them your defense which is the same as ac is determined by your order plus armor heroes of the order of the spicy chicken gain a base defense of 12 so that's kind of how it works they also gain plus one starting hp which you determine also by rolling the four for four dollars roll um they can use light armor robes and stuff so yeah they're basically fire wizards in this game skills are kind of like each character's powers and they can be like active or passive so it's just like they're just like spells or abilities kind of thing so the order of the spicy chicken characters start with spicy touch where you touch enemies with the spice left on your fingers and damage them <laughs> for 1d4 plus 1 damage if you hit obviously that's brilliant it is awesome and they also start with two more slow heat a ranged attack that damages enemies over time and smoke screen which if the enemy fails a save they're forced to move slower and with disadvantage and act with disadvantage that round so disadvantage and advantage in this game is the same as 5e basically um, but the order of the spicy chicken sandwich characters upon reaching level four get a flamethrower spell and level five which is the max level in the game get unending heat an explosive ball that damages foes for 4d6 plus four that sounds good. That yeah, sounds... it's all right. It's yeah. a pretty cool class. But yeah, the um, to give a few examples of the other chicken-based orders, there's Order of the Homestyle Chicken Sandwich. They're like a buffing slash cleric class, and they gain their powers by their connection to others. So they, their skills include like the level one skill, Home is where the hearth is, which protects a campfire from any bandits while sitting down for a meal. And you're going to notice like a lot of these, a lot of the spells, a lot of the abilities, all the classes, well, all the classes are, are literally Wendy's menu items. But a lot of the skills are also sort of things they say in their in marketing materials and things like this so with the um, order of the homestyle chicken sandwich and I can't believe how, by the way I, <laughs> if you want to play a drinking game count how many times I say order in this it's going to be a lot um, so at level 2 they get that add a little flavour to it skill where you can give two adjacent characters advantage on their next attack and finally at level 5 they get the impenetrable dome where their connection to love allows them to make a 10 foot protective dome um, so what's the deal with oh home is where the heart is okay. yeah I, well I guess well hearth as in a fire as well so yeah. I, I guess like the point is is that because it's such a homely sandwich that reminds you of home these guys are like they're, they're the guys that radiate love and shit I mean a lot of them don't really have any rhyme or reason to them except for the fact that the beef are mainly warrior guys but they're fighters and that the order of the grilled chicken sandwich is kind of like a healer class and their powers are mostly healing for example a quick bite where you provide a quick unexpected expected morsel of food into the mouth of a of a uh, of a party member healing them for 1d4 hp well, like a bird like you like pre-chewed food you just... i don't know if, i don't know if it's pre-chewed but i guess you just like you have like a nugget on your belt you oh, just yeah. chop a bit off yeah sling it into your your mate's mouth they can also resurrect party members when they hit the deck by giving them 1d6 of healing using the take a bite skill you see hp in this game is called hungry points right and uh, as you get hit an adventure you'll you'll get more hungry so when you reach zero hunger points you pass out from hunger so i think it's so that this is a you gets a universal rating like e for everyone right because you never die you just no, get you, so hungry yeah, and every time someone hits you you're like oh i could really do with a sandwich right now hi i'm wendy's founder dave thomas from the day i opened the first wendy's my goal has been to serve the best hamburger in the business a wendy's old-fashioned hamburger 
There's two more classes in the Order of the Chicken. The first is the Order of the Asiago Chicken Club. They're kind of all-rounders. And there's the Roguish Order of the Chicken Nugget. So they're basically just rogues. But as I said, the beef are predictably the most tanky types or warrior types. So this is what I was I was this is the one I was looking for throughout because the Baconator, that's like their signature thing, right? Yeah, it is. Everyone Order of the Baconator characters, for example, start with 15 defense plus 5 to HP and have resistance to all cold attacks because as the book says, they are truly fresh, not frozen. Okay, um, yeah, I mean, like they're going to hype up their best burger, really. I guess so, yeah. And their level 5 skill is awesome. Six strips of bacon, it's called. They make a six concurrent attacks on one attack roll when activating this skill. Well, so they just fling hot bacon? Or? No, I don't. I, the thing is, it doesn't have anything to do with actual bacon. It's just the name of the move. Okay, yeah. So you just... you. The thing is, you fight mainly with utensils, and, and I'll get into that later, but say, for instance, you're using a spoon. You just, you just spoon and spoon and spoon six times in a row because you're the highest level and that's your that's your big thing it's called, it's called six strips of bacon it's just a name there's three other beef classes the order or the order of the junior bacon cheeseburger they're kind of like an aggro drawing class that, that sort of specialise in taking hits and making enemies pay for it oh like Okay, yeah. No, that sounds... Uh, yeah, I thought it was more like a bard, but it's not, is it? No, there is like a bardy type one later, but these are kind of like... you. They, they want to get hit because they've got defence, they've got abilities where people take damage. So they've got a skill called Clapback. Now, there's something interesting about this, but I'll describe the skill first. This is a passive ability where enemies take 1d4 damage on hitting you, and then they've got another one called Bring It, where enemies' attacks are drawn to them. So you sort of combine those, you see what I mean? The thing about the Clapback ability, though is that I did a bit of Googling and I realised, uh, well, I found out that clapback is a term for when somebody roasts you on Twitter and then you give them like a real spicy nugget right back at them. And and apparently the Wendy's Twitter account is famous for like roasting people who, who, who lay them off on Twitter. So that's why it's called clapback. Oh, and in, okay. in addition to this, like it even says in the intro when the Queen Wendy is sort of like managed to keep her borders safe, it says she clapbacks against, uh, claps back against foes that, that try to come in. Yeah, because... They're, they're always on Twitter trying to be cool and diss McDonald's and Burger King and well, stuff like exactly. that. Exactly, that's that, and they've sort of brought that flavour into the game. So when you were saying about the whole plot of the game, the whole premise of the world is like about Wendy's standing strong and defending themselves. Like it's also based on that Twitter beef. Like yeah. really bizarre, really really bizarre. So um, interesting. I oh, know I've already done that. Anyway, in the order of the beef category, there is the order of the Dave's Double. I actually don't know what that sandwich is, but I'm sure it's delicious. They're dual-wielding, double-attacking warriors who, at level 4, can give defense bonuses to allies. The last beef one is the order of the Double Stack. They're mostly the same as the order of the Dave's Double. I don't know why they're in there, but it's probably because they had to have every menu item in there. Yeah, they did, yeah. Last up, we have the Sides. And the book says it, they're the perfect complement to an epic combo. So your part, your <laughs> so your party in the game is called a combo. So then you have you know the sides. They're the perfect complement. And these are kind of like um, unique classes. They don't really fit into any other. You can't really equate them to any fantasy type classes. Right. Exactly. So the funny the funny thing is though is that because they have this like uh, you know whole thing about not being frozen. I think the, the the sad thing is is that the first one in the sides is the order of the frosty, which is their milkshake that they have in Wendy's. So the order of the frosty is a class yeah based on that milkshake and 
These guys, according to the PDF, are smooth and sweet and brighten the day of anyone who embraces them. So they've like they do that with each one. It'll be like I don't know the order of the the double stack, right? In every single class, it'll be like these guys are they they pack a real punch of flavour. Yeah, yeah, it's like the advertisement within, isn't it? Yeah, it really is, but it's done in a sort of tasteful way. Yeah, yeah. To to excuse the pun, but yeah, it's done as sort of like a self-effacing. We know this is marketing, but we're making it funny kind of thing. Yeah. But like Old Spice. In fact, I, I would I would um wouldn't be surprised if Old Spice released an RPG after this. They probably will, yeah. God, that meme that got really dead real quick, didn't it? <laughs> anyway, frost characters, the frosty guys, right? They're another spellcasting class and they specialise in healing and charming. So for example, they got the sweet surprise where they can convert enemy damage into healing, or the little spoon skill where you can charm a group of enemies. There's quite a few side classes, so I'll just give a few examples. There's the order of the friends. French fries who are salty and saucy and they have a passive skill where being near a frosty character will give you both advantage on skill rolls and this is called the frosty dip and it's based on the fact that if you dip a french fry into a shake oh yeah yeah, yeah so yeah. if if you're working in tandem with the order of the frosty guy you you get advantages whenever you're standing next to each other why do people do that anyway what it's delicious. Is it? Try it. All right. I'll we'll go. To, we'll go to Mackey D's after this. We'll get. We'll get some fries and some shakes. <laughs> it is particularly good with a West a, a Wendy's one though, because they're awesome. I'm not trying to get sponsorship, by the way. I should point that out. But I do like Wendy's. Go to Wendy's. Buy Wendy's. I believe the only way to make a Wendy's old fashioned hamburger is to press the meat patty. Pressing the meat patty is really important, and here's why: the patty tastes better because the salt is pressed into the meat and makes the meat more tender. It also makes the patty larger, so they'll hang over the edge of the bun, and people will like that. Yeah, so the order of the French fries, at at fifth level, they gain massive damage boosts using the bottom of the bag skill, using the last reserves of your energy to to assault for a deep... 12d4 plus 4 damage. Whoa, man. And that's based on, you know, when you know when you finish your meal and but there's like a fry left in the bag and you're like, oh, sweet. Like, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's what it is. Um, there's the order of the baked potato. They're basically druids. And the order of the chili are essentially a mishmash of skills from all the other classes. Now, the gameplay in the game. I know what your next question is. The gameplay in the game. Yeah, what's, what's going on with that? So, the gameplay is fairly simple. Closer to an OSR product and 5e type D&D experience, but you have bonuses based on ability scores, and the majority of the game is just rolling those. You know, like in DCC or Lamentations, you know, you just roll agility or charm or grace. Oh, yeah. You don't yeah. really have typical skills because your skills are your powers, obviously. So, it's quite quite sort of simple in that sort of sense. It is, and combat and the way it's played is almost identical to 5e. You've even got, like, the same types of manoeuvres, like disengage and things like this. They're given, like, fast food names but they're basically the same thing. The gear is quite cool though. There's a food tray. So this is like, you know, the standard adventurer's gear that you can buy. There's a food tray and it's an adventuring item and a Wendy's bag that allows you to carry large items. So you get like a Wendy's takeaway bag and now you can put large items in your bag, like a Claymore. Um, All healing items are Wendy's items, such as strawberry lemonade or a chicken nugget. And armor, however, is quite different, giving you bonuses to different things. Wearing a freshly baked bun 
adds plus one to defense, and a shift lord's tunic gives you plus two to arcana. Um, weapons are all food-based as well. There's spoons, knives, spatulas, and of course the great spoon and the cast iron skillet, which are basically the most damaging weapons in the game. Yeah, because they pride themselves on doing the burgers and all of that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, the grill skill. You remember that advert? Yeah, no, it wasn't an advert. It was a Wendy's training no, video. It was the vi- yeah, it was the very first Wendy's training video. See, it? the good thing about this is, because I think it had Wendy himself. I'm sure that wasn't his name. But anyway, the point is it had the founder, didn't it, doing the training video. Yeah, it did. And it was, like, really earnest. And... It really was. It was adorable. And he's like, he's like, um, our burgers are square because our customers like it. Um, it's just good business. Yeah, it's, uh, no waste. <laughs> no waste. <laughs> oh yeah, with the chili. Yeah, yeah, because the Wendy's chili is just the disused hamburgers. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, it, the, that is amazing. And you know what? This episode gives me a chance to use some of that as a jingle. Oh, good point. Yeah. So that's good. I mean, I've been all waiting for an excuse for that for years. But here's the interesting thing about gear, anyway. Eating food in real life will allow your character to be debuffed or buffed. So it says eating a burger from a frozen burger joint while you're at the game, such as McDonald's, will give you a plus one ice damage to all attacks made against you for the rest of the session. I don't think we need to encourage people who play RPGs to eat more. Eat more junk food. (laughs) I know. All right, so, but the difference is, though, is while having a delicious Wendy's Frosty will add plus one to your charm for the rest of the day. No, it's in-game day, that's what it is. Okay. Yeah, so it's literally got a list of, like if you eat a baconator during the game a side of fries so if you get a meal right or a combo as you call it in America then you get bigger bonuses unfortunately we don't have Wendy's here otherwise I'd probably yeah, I'd have, have armfuls of it uh, so I can win yeah you just you, yeah that's it you just bring up loads of fucking fries and then suddenly your defence score goes up to a ridiculous degree and you know the, the I think we got one Wendy's in the UK so if somebody genuinely did bring one to our game in Red Hill, I'd be like, all right, fair enough. Then. Be, you get would the be a legend. Exactly. Now, bear in mind what we talked about McDonald's, right? And how that's like the uh, kind of enemy in this game. Because next we're going to talk about the GM section. And this is mostly a campaign called The Rise of the Deep Freeze. There's a short part on running the game and then bam, what follows is one of the most gorgeously illustrated detailed adventures I've read in ages. It's really good. But I'll go into it a little bit. I won't spoil the whole thing, but the, f- the whole campaign is split into five parts, includes maps for everything, and is just brilliant. The first part is called The Queen's Quest. Basically, there's a plague going on threatening all, all other nations and eventually Freshtovia. Anyway, there's a huge celebration in Freshtovia that day, and in the royal garden of Queen Wendy, the party are approached by a mysterious person who sends them to the French Fry Forest, where they take on hunger, the source of the frozen plague at the moment, which is threatening Freshtovia. It's like a big monster. Anyway, once the team deal with hunger in the woods, they return to meet the mysterious man who is in fact a warrior well past his time who works for the Queen, and he needs some adventurers to help him. He introduces the team to the Queen, and then the next part of the campaign starts. This is like the second episode, where the team meet Queen Wendy, and she tells them that, she, that an agent of the United Clown Nations, basically McDonald's, is causing them trouble. This quest leads them to the Frosty Canyon, where they must battle the Beef Bandit, basically the Hamburglar, <laughs> and uh, who, upon use, losing enough HP, he flees and summons the Freister, a huge tentacle, uh, tentacle t- ice monster thing. But I can't figure out what that's supposed to be. Like the 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 Burger Bandit or whatever it's called. That's obvious. That's the ham- Hamburglar, right? Yeah. But what's Freister? I, I was like, maybe it's Grimace, but I, I don't know. No, I don't know. Maybe it's like McDonald's have like got all these 
got these tentacles in the pies and <laughs> yeah I don't know I, I know it's supposed to be a metaphor yeah, but I can't is, figure yeah. out what it is anyway I won't spoil the rest but at this point they discover the true enemy is the ice jester Ronald McDonald, basically, who is unbound and ancient magic capable of bringing the realm into an ice age. You see, another villain of the campaign is also called the Creepy King of the Paper Hat, right? Um, that's Burger, that's King. Burger King, right? It's the Burger King. And the thing is, is that uh, sort of at the beginning of the campaign, you're led to believe it's him because he casts icy spells using frozen meat discs and, and like chucks them from the top of his tower. But he's just like this creepy weirdo. And basically, I think what Wendy's are trying to say is that he's not even competition Burger to them. King doesn't even matter. Right, exactly. Um, that's basically it. As I said, I won't spoil the rest of it, but it was so good. It's so good. The campaign is amazing. It sounds really good. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's pretty detailed. The maps are amazing. The the, the actual level of art is, is like, on par with D&D 5e. So, I guess the very, very last thing to um, talk about is the presentation. So, I'll just get it on my phone. Look at this. These fucking idiots on this website. Wendy's launches its own video game. How video fucking game. stupid do you have to be? They just heard about it and then... Just went, oh, it's obviously a game. There we go. So, yeah, there's the book, man. Have a, have a look at the presentation. Oh, by the way, it's free. The whole thing's free. The front cover's already amazing. It's really a, a callback to AD&D. Um, the, it's yeah. like some sort of ice mage, and and I think that might be Frister there, that big that, tentacle thing. Yeah, that's. Frister. And then you've got like a guy in a Wendy's uniform battling him back. But that's that there that you're looking at there. That's the illustration of Queen Wendy. It's pretty much as that's... I described. Like it's, she's got like a medieval version of the Wendy's uniform on, holding a big W flag. Yeah, it's amazing artwork. It's um, it's sort of reminiscent of D and D, and it looks uh, yeah, they've uh, it's, it's like it's so like, detailed and well coloured. It's and... like legendarily good though. I mean, this is yeah. like this is like the the, f- the big. Obviously, Wendy's is a big company, but the big RPG publishers, this is the type of art they put out. Yeah, and they've put so much effort into it. So there's the map of Beef's Beef's Keep. Sean's now looking at that. Obviously, it's shaped like a hamburger. Yeah. um... I don't think they know what a keep is, but that's fine. (laughs) So, yeah, presentation. What do you think? Amazing. Amazing. And... um... I'm trying to see if I can. I want to sort sort of like get a uh, get this onto Lulu and print out a physical copy because currently you can't buy it. It's just the free PDF that exists. But I want to get this. And it's really well structured as well. Yeah. And they've obviously looked at Five E and thought. Um, well, it's it's obviously your D and D parody, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it is. Yeah. But so, what do you make of it? And what's your what's your sort of thoughts on it? You reckon I, you play this? I actually really want to play it now. I, I was just like, uh, I was thinking. It, it, I was thinking at, at the start when you invited me on. I was thinking, oh, it's going to be all right for for a for a corporate thing, but I actually really want to play it now. It's, I know it's weird, isn't it? I, I literally I thought this was going to be a laugh to review, and obviously there are some funny aspects of it, like four for four dollars roll and shit like this. But ultimately, it's just quite a good RPG, and it's 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 obviously going for laughs, and it's obviously quite funny. But the actual core premise and the adventure is really good. How long do you think it took to make? Because it seems like a weird response to KFC's visual novel. Well, I don't know. I think that's just a coincidence because recently KFC released a dating game where you have to try and date Colonel Sanders. 
Yeah, you played did. that, right? Um, I played it for about three minutes. Yeah, well, I I knew that was going to be all it was good for. You were like, no, mate, it might be good. Of course, it was fucking awful. Yeah, the the um, uh, it was bad. Yeah, it was bad. Um, you go to like, uh, you go to like a uni- a high school. No, yeah, you go to a university and you have to learn the culinary arts and stuff. And um, uh, you, your rivals in dating Colonel Sanders are someone from McDonald's and Burger. King. Of course. What what I find what I find really strange though. Like, as you said the, just as KFC have released a visual novel where you try to date Colonel Sanders and by the way it's like a sexy anime version of Colonel Sanders yeah it is yeah. And, and, then, and then like a month later this comes out I mean what's going on it's weird yeah next yeah. up like McDonald's are going to release I don't know a fucking a, a, a competent video game <laughs> yeah exactly I mean that that would be surprising <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean it's super fucking weird man we live in a very interesting time I think yeah yeah where Wendy's release a decent RPG what time to be alive really I know man anyway yeah so Wendy's RPG is pretty fucking good yeah, it looks it. It looks it. It looks great. I'm hyped and to play it, to be honest. We've got to play it, man. Yeah. 100%. I, I want to do an actual play on this channel. Do do the whole campaign. Yeah, yeah, we should. We should. That'd be awesome. But that's about it for the RPG. Next up, we're going to move on and do some Dragon or Blagging for the RPG. And I think you're going to like this one. All right, cool. Roll up, roll up. Come and play Dragon or Blagging, a game where you could win big. Under this box, do I have a dragon, a mysterious creature of mythical origin, or is there in fact nothing? Am I blagging? Well, find out now, only ten pounds ago. You, sir, come and play the game. Who? Me? Yes, you. Come on, come and play. Dragon or blagging? <laughs> so here we are, dragon or blagging. Basically, the premise of this is it's a little quiz about the Wendy's RPG. And you have to. F- I've often made some stuff up, and you need to figure out what the real shit is. That's basically it. So in Feast of Legends, which is the name of the Wendy's RPG, I don't even know if we said that, but in Feast of Legends, there's a few locations given at the end that don't appear in the main story. Which of these is the real location in the game? Is it Chili de Mar, Tomatalona, Puerto Burgo, or Costa del Spicy? <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, Porta del Burgo. Wrong. It's Costa del Spicy, oh, which is that's awesome. That's the most stupid one. <laughs> it's the best one. Which of these is a real skill from Feast of Legends? Is it add cheese, snack time, double up, or grill skill? Add cheese. It was my my favourite thing when I didn't have money. Just add, just go and order and add cheese. <laughs> yeah, then you get a slice of American cheese for twenty p. No, the real skill is double up. Oh, yeah, that, which that actually yeah kind of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Next up, there is actually a very small compendium of magic items in in Feast of Legends. But which one of these is the real one? Is it drive-through headset, stripy apron of freshness, the justice-serving spatula, or the gem of the ultimate chicken tendy? The gem of the ultimate chicken tendy. It is the drive-through headset. I was, oh, I did think of that at first. God damn it. Okay, now there there also is a beast theory, not an expansive one, but it's got some pretty cool monsters in there. Um, but which one is not the real monster? I repeat, not beef and lettuce lad, mucho pan the extra bun, freezy the frozen bird, or f- the freezer gorgon. Uh, the freezer gorgon. No, the one that was not real was the beef and lettuce lad. That sounds really good, though. How, in what way does the beef and lettuce lad sound good? 
Um, it doesn't sound like you said it. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. I get you. Okay, so what is the real name for a critical fail in this game? Is it a big boogle, a bad bongo, a whoopsie, a big oops, or a McDonald's? Those all sound like something you'd say, but uh, big oops? Correct. It is big oops. I think, what I can't remember what they, oh, where the criticals in this are called feast mode. As oh, well, okay. so yeah. yeah, and that's pretty much it. That's that's dragging a blagging. I think you got one point. Yeah, I've, failure. Yeah, I did fail there. Failure. I did fail. I should have been taking more in when you were talking earlier. But absolutely. So, sorry, guys. pay attention. This is what we always say to you: the games. Pay attention, man. <laughs> I'm paying attention. You're not paying attention. Right, we're gonna we're gonna go for a break. Not that that makes any difference to the podcast, but we're gonna go now, and we'll be back instantly. Bye. In the future, you will be able to send a letter or parcel from anywhere on the planet. This, sir, is the Electro Letter. We just did the freestyle segment and I'm, I'm fairly certain that was not usable in any way, shape or form. It wasn't. If it made it into the podcast, you know we're really struggling for things to put in. It was so unusable that people shouldn't listen to it. I agree. It was so cringe. Oh god, never doing that again. Right. So we're on to electro letters. And we asked you guys out there, what fast food item would you make into a magic item and what would it do? Daniel Irwin comes in with probably the most controversial one, the wimpy bender in a bun. Now this is weird because I, I guess it I don't know if it applies in America, but in England, bender is like a, a bad term for homosexuals yeah it was uh it is still and uh i always used to sort of uh like think that when i was getting the burger as a kid that it, you'd, you'd giggle at it yeah exactly but i was thinking this as well like you know we'll get on to what his magic item does in a minute but you know how we have um that, that special type of pork meatball called a faggot oh yeah yeah and that's lamb just the thing yeah you can get like lamb faggot. faggots and it's like it's mainly old people that eat them. They're like, oh, I love me faggots. Yeah, it is. It's uh, awful. And uh, they go into like Iceland, which is like a frozen place, and they'll uh, fill their trolley with faggots. It's really weird, isn't it? I, I watched a cooking program with Tom Kerridge recently, and he's like, there's nothing like a lovely faggot. And it was like, don't, just say meatball. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, that Daniel Irwin's submission, the wimpy bender in a bun. One bite of this, and you can literally bend time and space. But you can only do. But you can only go in a circle, and you normally have the shits afterwards. That's really good. That's it's really that. good because it's got like good consequences to using it. Because bending time and space is probably the ultimate power that us, us humans. But you can always consider. end up where you started. Yeah, it's awesome. Conrad Erasmus Neubert. He says the self-heated chicken fried jalapeno peepers that make you spit fireballs. The problem is. They are so delicious that the owner has to make that the owner has to make a spirit check, or will save every hour to not instantly dig in. It's not bad. It's a good one. Yeah, I do like that. I don't know, but who sells who sells self-heated chicken fried jalapeno peppers? I don't think that's a real thing. Jalapeno peppers. Peppers is what he said. Yeah, peppers. So yeah, it sounds like some American food thing. but... But he's German, so. Oh. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't. We might have to cl- get that one off the list. James Bonnet. He says buffalo wings, just that they are the actual wings from a chimeric buffalo that imbue you with the power of flight. The drawback is their extraordinary tiny wings, and the flight only lasts for one d ten seconds. That's good. 
That is that's good. on the list. We'll yeah. give that one an approval. That's, that's going good, in the restaurant of magic items. That's a good battle item, I'd say. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. You can use it to quickly fly up, drop something on somebody. Good one. Sean Richer, he comes in. It would be the Happy Meal toy. Target would make a willpower save or be subject to fits of joy. That's a good... That's not bad. I, I not like bad. it, though, because he's gone out of the box. Well, he's gone in the box, literally, but, he's, I mean, he's out of the box. Yeah. Good with the, that's good thinking, good thinking. Lewis Pineda says, The Whopper. When you eat it, your fists double in size and weight, adding damage to unarmed attacks. I okay. like that. Okay, um, so... It's very literal. Yeah, that is a good one. Uh, yeah, yeah, good idea. Good that's, going on, that's going on the menu, right? But the thing is, is he's taking it quite literally. Uh, I don't know. But I like it, I like it. This one, this next one, I did re- I did sort of vet these beforehand, and I think the next one's a bit crap, but we'll see. Matthew Jones, who says, sweet and sour chicken. So that's like from a Chinese, I guess. And whoever consumes it will immediately reverse disposition towards the next person they see. Oh, I get it, because it's like sweet and sour. Yeah. It's like yeah, two opposing so things, yeah. So you're, you're changing your emotion. Uh, what do you reckon? Not great. Not great. So that might be on the menu. Because in pure role-playing situations, you wouldn't really... Yeah, you might. Yeah, but you would. That's the magic item. It I is. mean, if you if you were if you uh, if you wanted to maybe ch- change someone's mind on something, and you're like, all right, let's sit down for a meal. You could give them one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a good idea. Maybe that's going on the menu. Uh, the last one we got is the Burger King Crownet. I don't know this one. Do you know this one? No, I it might be an American only one. Would act as a rod of dragon control, but for chickens and cows. As well as, as well as give you a stealth bonus, because if you recall, Burger King had those horrific commercials where the guy in the king costume would sneak up on people and give them food. I mean, it's not the worst set of adverts, sadly. <laughs> yeah, there are worse ones, but the, the, I think that's why in the Wendy's RPG they called him the creepy king of the paper crown. Yeah, because that for that reason, creepy. it was a bit creepy. But do you reckon that one going on the menu or going in the bin? I'd probably say the bin. But you control chickens and cows and have a stealth bonus. Okay. But do you think it really applies? Well, we don't know the burger. No, we don't know. Maybe no. the burger is a particularly. Does it have chicken and beef in it? It is must that, do. Yeah. Is that the thing? I don't know. So I think the award this time goes for the bender in a bun. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Yeah, that's the best on the list. That's... For those that don't know, though, the bender in a bun is is a burger with a giant bent sausage inside. A yeah, circular it's, sausage. Well, it's a frankfurter that's cut uh, at certain points, so that it can then be circular. <laughs> which is why it's called the bender, which is an awful name for a burger. You got any ideas? The thing is, I was going to go for one, the the Whopper. I was going to go for one similar to that. I wanted to call it the the Big Mac, like use the Big Mac in some way, and it like enlarges your wang. Which isn't entirely clever. Another good one might be the chicken nugget, the McDonald's chicken nugget, right? So you get the chicken nugget, you eat it, and then you can conform to one of three shapes. Yes, yeah, and so it's the got... shapes. You got the circle, the boot, and the other one. Yeah, because the boot would give you strength, and yeah, so. No, no, I don't mean that. I mean it literally it morphs you into that that shape. Depending on the nugget you eat, you can become the size of a boot and the shape of a boot. Oh, and uh, one of them. That if would... you need to fit fit through like a very specific hole. Yeah, if you need to fit through a hole that's not a circle that has a lump on it and like, yeah. There you go. What about you? You got one? Um, yeah, um, the... You haven't got one. The, the, um, You haven't got one? Um, the, 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 uh, the bun, the, the, the bun and... No, I haven't, sorry. You're an idiot. (laughs) All right. What what about this? All right, another one. What, 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 what are you saying though? Five guys. 
You eat the Five Guys burger, and then you get the assistance of five magically teleported in guys. Well, I thought the Five Guys would be like the gods of some sort of fast food world. Yeah, but it has to be a magic item. Yeah, I know, but that would be really cool. Like It would be cool, but it doesn't... Like, you, it's not the... It's not the question. <laughs> yeah, I know, but think about it, right? Yeah, I'm thinking like, about it. Like, um, like... The Five Guys. It would be Five Guys, Wendy's, McDonald's, Burger King, KFC. And then the Five Guys. Yeah, and... But it doesn't... It's not about the question. <laughs> right, you've got to come up with one right now. Go. Okay, Um. so the sesame seeds, like, you can... Like, the, the pointy sesame seeds... No, and... all right, this is awful. Right, this isn't going in. Yeah, but... Dark. Right, we're we're excluding that. Your item and your submission for this is gone. What about my thing about Five Guys? That was cool. Like the Five Guys, you know. No, like uh, it was. All, it was hailed Five. Yes, guys. but it's nothing to do with magical items. But it's really cool. Shut up. Right. So next up, we got a general question. It comes from John the Paladin. He says, "What's on your shelf yet that you have yet to play or run that you really want to but haven't got round to it yet? What's like your main one?" Well, I haven't got a lot that I haven't really played, so because uh, all of my ones I have played, so probably Car Wars, but yeah, yeah, because Car Wars is sort of RPG adjacent. Yeah, it's a car is, yeah. car battling futuristic game from Steve Jackson. Yeah, that's a good one, man. I I've had that for a long time, and I've never really, I've well, I've never run it, and I, but I have read it, and it yeah, seems amazing. Here. Yeah. We did a review of it a while ago. Well, like a very short review. You know what? I've actually one of them I've got is. Uh, Golden Sky Stories. I've had this for a while. It's by uh, fucking what's his name, Rio Camia, who's the uh, writer of Made, and it's a uh, it's a sort of Studio Ghibli type game where you play relaxing stories that don't have any conflict. Oh, I'd, I have wanted to play that actually. Yeah, um, I, I think it looks pretty decent. That's that's one that I really want to give a try, considering how much I like Made. I've um I've wanted to uh, sort of do that as sort of a start up to to something, and then something bad happens, and you know, like you play that, and it's like oh, th- these are the fun times, and then you're getting into it. And, and now you're fucked. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. That'd be cool. So I don't know. There's there's also the American Survival Guide. I've really wanted to give that a proper bash. I've played it once. But the thing is, is that I only played it as sort of a uh, uh, one-off in our DCC campaign that we played on on this podcast, you know. And I thought it was pretty good, but the thing is, I'd really, really like to dig properly into that. It's a post-apocalyptic mod for DCC, but it's it's really clever the way it does it, and really, really gonzo. Like Santa Claus is a god in it. You've got a uh, a god that's like a techno god that's like a disco ball and shit like this, and it looks fucking cool. I think most of the games that I want to play are on your shelf. Like I want to play some more Low Life because that was that was banging. That was good, man. I love Low Life. I actually played that kind of on the cob with Andy, and it was, oh, it, nice. was it was quite fun. I mean, he's the guy that wrote it, Andy Hop, yeah. and he's he uh, he he did like because he has so many players at the table. You don't really roll. You just describe based on what's on your sheet, which is kind of different. Not necessarily my cup of tea, but it was really good seeing him like. Um, do with the voices and playing with somebody that really knows the world that was kind of fun but we played low life once where we played gangsters and basically this setting is like uh well you 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 kind of the all of the things that survived after a, a many apocalypses and it's uh it's yeah and it's sort of all of the characters and uh, the art and stuff like that. It's sort of 90s gross-out inspired. Like, all the cartoons from the early 90s. Like, like... garbage pale kids and things like this. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's what makes it so good. But So, that's that's those are our answers. Golden Sky Stories. That looks awesome. And you can pick it up for pretty cheap. Car Wars. Low Life. 
and American Survival Guide. I would definitely check those out. So that's it for questions. Thank you very much for sending in your submissions to the Magic Item Contest. A little bit disappointed in you, actually, listeners. You know, a couple of usable ones in there, but I think they could have done better, don't you think? I don't know. I thought they were pretty good, but if we had a couple more that were good, that would have been sweet. That would have been nice. Just a couple more, like, good ones. <laughs> that, that's all we want. A customer orders a single with cheese. Here's the way you do it if you want to please. Lay down the cheese in a juicy spot, but don't leave it too long or it'll get too hot. Tool it up, lay it off on the meat. Do it right. Keep it neat. Drain, then serve on a bun, just so. Don't touch it with your fingers, that's a big no-no. Alright, so that is it for another episode of the 3T RPG podcast. And uh, yeah, I just want to say thanks for coming on, Sean. You got anything that you want to plug? Anything you're doing at the moment? Um, Probably, no, I wouldn't actually, no. Not your anime podcast? What, Teach Me Senpai? Yeah. What our anime podcast? Well, yes. That's what I was in a roundabout way, what I was trying to do. Okay, um, yes. Um, yeah, I do want to plug Teach Me Senpai. Um, very good. Very c- handsome hosts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, really good podcast about anime where we try and get our mate into anime in the weirdest way possible. And it's really good. We watch a lot of uh, terrible anime like... Uh, Uratsuki Doji, where a, a giant penis destroys a hospital. Yeah, yeah, and um, at some point uh, we're probably going to be looking back uh, to getting back into it, and I don't know why I want to. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. That's the thing. Like we, when with that podcast, you have to remember we haven't done it for a long time, and we're currently doing yearly episodes, <laughs> so because <laughs> it made us hate anime. But if you want to hear some people argue and have a breakdown on a podcast, it's it's good fun. It's really good. We've got 27 likes on Facebook on that, but for some reason, we keep getting views or listens. It keeps going up every month, and it's it's rubbish. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's good. It's rubbish, and we hated doing it. But if you want, if you want to laugh, go and listen to that. Um, so that's it. Um, if you want to support the show, go onto Patreon and search up the 3T RPG podcast, or buy our OSR supplement 78 Hamlet Happenings on DriveThruRPG. Additionally, if you want to contact us, go to 3TRPGpod at gmail.com. Go there and send us an email. Isn't it? Um, I'd say so. Yeah. And also, we're on Facebook, <laughs> me, we, all the social media, so just get on those things. I've been Harrison Hunt. And I've been Sean Hunt. And remember that D20s are cool, but 20Ds, now that's a good time. 20Ds... Existence. 
that's quite different to yours. It is really horrific and snores. No, doesn't make sense. But let me tell you about the other stuff on my shelf. I have got DCC RPG. That's a good one. It's only 50p. Actually, it's not. It's £25. That's right, man. You get it on the ground. Doesn't make sense yet again, but I didn't write this down. I never used a pen. Dungeon Crawl Classics Lankmar. More like Dungeon Crawl Classics Wankmar. Because when I see that game, I want to Wankmar. God. God. This is terrible. And I'm gonna use a bard and he's gonna sing a fucking spell and right <laughs> no we can't use that we can't use that it's so bad right. it's so bad one, one more time all right i literally just walked past and looked in and made made a face <laughs> looked at the table like what the fuck is that this is really bad it's really it's really bad we're doing a freestyle competition and, and it's, shit. it's awful. It's really and it's I awful. will go and sit in a tree and fucking <laughs> throw a rock at me, and then I'll go for a wee de cigarette. All right, it is quite like that. But right, Sean's gonna have one more try. <laughs>